Hey there, Brian of London here. Now, I have not done a video in ages, but uh, in the past I've done many videos about Tommy Robinson, and um, that's what this is going to be, because Tommy's involved in a court case in London that I think is groundbreaking, and it has received, apart from on day one, very little press coverage, and I wonder why. So, Firstly, this is an ongoing trial, but it's a civil action. It's got no jury. It's, it's just being held before one judge. So uh, from the point of view of the British laws on contempt, I'm okay. And again, I am not privy to very many details that have not already been introduced into court. In fact, Monday is going to be the summing up uh, by Tommy and by the plaintiff's side, their lawyers. Um, and so that's all that's left. And so then the judge will consider the case. There's no jury. So I, I, I can't believe the judge is spending his weekend looking out for videos by Brian of London, which is who I am. And I'm at the beach, as you can see, in Tel Aviv. So what's going on? What is this case? Well, um, and I'm really, I'm doing all of this from memory. I've got no notes. Uh, so, and I'm cracked with dates. But uh, I believe towards the end of 2018, a video went viral in the UK of a school, basically a schoolyard fight uh, between a white kid and a brown kid. And the brown kid was a guy called Jamal, and um, the white kid uh, was just a British white kid. Um, and it showed the 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 kid be the, the brown kid being pinned down and having water poured on his face. And there were some words back and forth, typical British schoolyard banter, and it was from a northern town in England. And it went massively viral, and the press jumped on it as evidence of endemic racism across Britain directed towards Syrian refugees, because that's what it turns out Jamal was. A, a, a kid whose family had come over from Syria within the last year or so, and, and this was suddenly evidence that the whole of England or Northern England or whatever, it was, it was a press, a media narrative. And what Tommy did was, uh, and I believe at the time he was employed by Rebel, but I might be wrong on the, the specific timings of that. He went up and he started speaking to other kids and parents at this school. And he discovered a picture very, very much more nuanced and detailed and completely different in many respects to what the mainstream media was portraying and he said as much uh, and some of what he said uh, went into Facebook videos and those Facebook videos were basically him being a reporter and saying I've heard from sources or I have read on Facebook from sources and he made a bunch of specific allegations uh, which he had heard and Normally, in the course of journalism, if you hear from a source or a number of sources, or especially corroborating independent sources, you start to believe that what you're being told, well, you have a reasonable right to put out what you're being told. Uh, and that's the normal course of journalism. But Tommy is no normal person. He's no normal journalist. He's never been treated by the system as normal. So what happened was, subsequently, someone financed Jamal, and you've got to understand this Syrian kid and his father in particular, um, they managed to get a GoFundMe together that raised hundreds of thousands of British pounds because this kid was, was set upon. And the white kid, Bailey, his family 
were drummed out of their home. He was kicked out of school. Uh, they had to go and live in a whole nother city because of uh, multiple death threats, incredible death threats. But uh, about six months later, I believe, Tommy was sued for libel for the contents of these Facebook videos. Now, these Facebook videos are long gone and deleted because Tommy's entire Facebook page, as we know, was deleted by Facebook. But uh, I believe that even the main ones of these have been taken down in advance of that. Mostly because the families who had said the things to Tommy uh, didn't want this stuff out there because they felt threatened. Anyway, Jamal's family uh, got backed to put, to put together a libel action. And I know this because um, the last time I actually saw Tommy in person, I, I traveled to the UK with my family and I met up with Tommy and he had been served this and he was worried about this case because this case was serious because not that Tommy felt that what he had said was lies, um, but that the problem Tommy would have is that in order to prove they were not lies, he would have to call on vulnerable children to come and testify. Uh, and he was really concerned and he, he really considered settling, but they asked for a ridiculous amount of money. I, I, I can't remember what it was, might have been quarter of a million pounds or some other nonsense, it, but it was a huge figure in order for this case to go away. That, that, and that was really the intent. They wanted to bankrupt Tommy. They wanted to, to, to make it unviable. And I know that the first defense that Tommy put together on this libel charge was the normal one that a journalist would turn to, which is, which is that the things he had said were, he, he believed them to be true when he was saying them, and that there was a substantial public interest in the story. And this defense was proffered whilst Tommy still had uh, professional legal representation. But for, for whatever reason, and I'm not part of the specific ins and outs of the case at that stage, whatever reason, that defense was, was disallowed. And the defense that Tommy had to go with was that what he said was substantially true. Now, this isn't a criminal, this isn't a murder case. Um, this isn't a murder case where you have to prove that everything is true to beyond a reasonable doubt. This is a, a civil libel case. And, and Tommy does have a much lower quality, but essentially he has to prove that three specific allegations relating to the behavior of Jamal, which paint Jamal in a very different light to what the mainstream media ever did, um, was that, that this incident with the water bottle had a long back story and it, was, and it had a lot leading up to it that the press never covered. And those are the main allegations. The, the main allegations were three specific uh, fights or incidents that Jamal had been involved in uh, that his family said were libelous to repeat. And Tommy is now, he's been through a week of court in which on the very first day, Jamal and his father, Jihad, uh, testified and Tommy got to cross-examine. And now, that's the other part. What, that makes this case unbelievable is that Tommy is a self-representing plaintiff. He has had to fire his expensive uh, legal representation because he just doesn't have the money for them. So he is running this case himself, which is, it's not unprecedented in British law, but, but to be self-representing yourself in a trial of this scale, uh, you know, a multi, you know, five, six, I think it was scheduled for eight days. I think it'll end 
and having been five days or six, this is a big deal. Multiple witnesses, I think Tommy has had five witnesses on his side. The plaintiff, that's Jamal's family, they've had, they've put two, which is Jamal and his father. And after they testified, in fact, they never showed up to court again. Uh, their lawyers sort of wrote and said that it was too difficult to show up. Meanwhile, Tommy had five children or formerly children come and testify as to events that happened at the school. Now, those events shouldn't be, they're not interesting. You know, really, this is schoolyard stuff. But they become interesting because of the way in which the British press chose with their activism to present an entirely false narrative based around one short video. They wanted to say, Britain is racist towards Syrian refugees, and this is the video that proves it. That was the narrative the press came with. What happened when you dug in was that you found that there were multiple Syrian, children, Syrian refugee children at this school, none of which had any problem with racism, but Jamal was involved in a lot of incidents. It started to, to be, as far as Tommy was concerned, a very different story, and it's nothing to do with his Islam obsession. It's nothing to do with, um, it's nothing to do with detailed work, uh, it, it detailed backstory. But it is fundamental to the way in which journalism operates today. Not as a method of telling you the story, but as a method of telling you the whole. Um, the, 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 the untruth of what's going on. They are trying to craft a narrative that they have made up and that story is entirely false. And it is ridiculous that this has got to the High Court where Tommy is now in the British High Court having to litigate schoolyard bullying or not bullying or, or, or a schoolyard dispute um, it's utterly ridiculous that somebody is in court litigating this. And that's what's happened. And that's the nature of, of this case that's in the High Court now. Now, it's going to end on Monday. Uh, Tommy will give a summing up. Jihad and Jamal's lawyers will give a summing up. And uh, the judge will go away, and it might take him two or three months, I guess, to come with a ruling. Now, Tommy's past... Uh, treatment by the British legal system has always been bad. He's never, you know, in cases where we even thought he had a chance, he's been screwed over, like the, the Cambridge police case. Um, and, you know, his conviction for, for contempt of court. But we wait to see. Uh, some of us believe that he's presented more than enough evidence to show that he, he, had a, he was right to say what he said. And um, there's an entire documentary that he's filmed which will come out after this case is, is over, one way or the other. And what we learn from it, though, I'll come back to this, what we learn from it is much more to do with the way the press, the British press in particular, and of course, this is, this is a model for, you know, just this weekend, the New York Times has written a whole bunch of nonsense, um, a whole bunch of nonsense about Tommy. And... It's untrue, some of it's very untrue. The source that the New York Times relies on is this Kaylin Robinson shithead. Tommy can't go to the court for libel over this because his, his reputation is so badly damaged at this point that the courts give him almost no recourse. But the, 
it's unthinkable that a New York Times journalist would be able to be sued in this way for repeating stuff that was told to him. And, and but that's exactly what's happened to Tommy. Uh, we'll see. I don't know. I, you know, I think he's done enough to win, but I wasn't in court. I'm only following it from, you know, reports that I get back on what's going on and reading the witness statements and so on that are presented. Um, but, I mean, I'll give you like one specific detail that, that caught my eye. One of, the, one of the children that's testifying, she tells a story from earlier on that Jamal, soon after he got to the school, they were in a French class and um, they were learning about how to say different maladies in French. Uh, you know, like, I have a headache, j'ai mal à tête or something like that. My French is crap, but it sounds like Jamal. Jamal, j'ai mal à tête, I have a headache. And that kind of silly little school, and, and so some of the boys were teasing Jamal. Now, is that, is that enough to, to declare the entirety of Britain racist towards Syrian refugees? Of course not. That goes on in school all the time. I kept thinking of a Catherine Tate clip, if you know Catherine Tate, when she's in, in, in class with her French teacher. Regarding my visage, regarding my visage, do I look bothered? It is schoolyard stuff, and this is in the high court. And a, and a child is writing a witness, or is dictating a witness statement, and they're having, and this is the other thing, journalists, very rarely does a journalist get a sworn witness statement from anybody that says I, under penalty of perjury, declared to be true what I'm telling this journalist from the New York Times. If, if, if the New York Times operated under the principle that they only printed what people would attest to in court, it would be a lot thinner than it is, I'll tell you that. And I still wouldn't believe half of it. Anyway, summing's up on Monday. Lord knows when the judge will give a decision. I, you know, I really feel for the judge because I think the British establishment pressure on a judge to rule against, uh, to rule, uh, to give a ruling against Tommy Robinson must be immense. I mean, the idea, if this judge comes back and rules that Tommy didn't commit libel and that the other side are responsible for Tommy's legal fees, which will mostly go to lawyers and, and bankruptcy charges and anyway, um, that would be an amazing turnaround for the British legal system. It has never happened to Tommy substantially. He's never had a big win in the courts, but maybe this is the one time when he will. Anyway, that's enough. Uh, I'm Brian of London. I'll put this out on my podcast, which is value for value enabled. I'm doing, still doing lots of work with podcasting 2.0. If you don't know what that means, look for links below, but you want to listen and stream sats to me, I'll be putting my new lightning node. Uh, if you want to support my work, on Hive, that's a great way to do it too. I'm trying to combine, uh, combine podcasting 2.0, which is sort of largely lightning focused at the moment with Hive. Uh, lots and lots of tech work that's going on and our case in Australia is still grinding along waiting for a court date. But I'll be back soon. I'll try and uh, not give it another month before I make another video and another podcast. I'm Brian of London signing off from the beach in Tel Aviv. Bye bye.